Business in the Okanagan Matters. This is Law Talk with lawyers Clay Williams and Tanvir Gill from FH&P Lawyers, LLP. They talk business and take your questions at podcast at fhplawyers.com. Now, here's Clay Williams. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of FH&P Lawyers Law Talks. And I'm Clay Williams. And with me is Tanvir. Welcome, Tanvir. Hi, Clay. It's our last show of the season. Mm-hmm. Last show before the end of the year and um, basically us wrapping up our podcast, 2021 podcast. Wrapping it up. And so uh, in celebration, we're actually drinking wine while we are recording this. We'll see mm-hmm. if the listeners notice. Mm-hmm. Wine, cheese. I'm going to try not to eat into my mic. <laughs> Swish <laughs> well, my wine. <laughs> and, well, if, you, if, if, if the listeners hear something, they'll know what's going on. It's Tanvir chewing with her mouth <laughs> open. So... Uh, my mom so ta- Tanvir's time. mom. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to call out my mom. <laughs> you know, when I was little, she, I wasn't allowed to say fork and knife. Why? My mom thought it was rude. She wouldn't answer if I said, I need a fork and a knife. She'd be like, I don't know what you're saying. It's knife and fork. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say you, you had to eat with your hands. No, because okay. I also talk very quickly. So I would say, Mom, I really need a fork and knife. <laughs> well, she actually, say, when you say it like that, it almost sounds like... <laughs> like yeah. I'm saying something else. So she'd be like, no, I'm not going to answer. <laughs> You'd say it correctly. And I'd have to say, knife and a fork, please. <laughs> so today... Uh, we thought it'd be fun to talk about the law of negligence. The law of negligence is near and dear to lawyers' hearts. Uh, we spent a lot of time in court arguing about it. We spent a lot of time drafting contracts to avoid it. Mm-hmm. What do you start us out? Tell us what the cause of action of negligence is. Negligence is the failure to use reasonable care resulting in damage or injury to another. I think a lot of our listeners might find interesting is that this is actually a pretty recent concept in law. Before uh, 19, well, well, you're going to tell us, 1932, this concept didn't exist. And in fact, one of the causes of action you would have would be contracts. So so there's a real gap in the law. If you didn't didn't actually have a contract with somebody to provide you with something and you were caused by injury by somebody you didn't have a contract with, well, you know, you are out of luck. Yeah. So what happened in 1932? So a bit of a story background. It's the 26th of August, 1928. That's like kind of around your time, right, Clay? <laughs> no? Okay. Can't no, I remember no, no. that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Mae Donahue and her friend are sitting at a cafe in Glasgow, Scotland. The cafe purchased product from a distributor that purchased product from Mr. Stevenson. The product itself is ginger beer. So May Donahue orders ginger beer sitting at the restaurant and it comes in a dark bottle. She drank much of the contents and when her friend lifted the bottle to pour the remainder of the beer into a tumbler, they noticed the remains of a snail at the bottom of the bottle decomposing into the beer. So we've heard this story many times. We definitely a mouse in a wasn't it Bob and Doug McKenzie found a, a mouse in their beer and that that was just the whole basis of their movie. That was before your time too, wasn't well, it? Well, definitely was. That was the nineteen eighties. I'm looking at you confused. Okay. All right, so we're gonna give the listeners a moment to think about it. What do you think happened? You find ginger beer has a decomposing snail and you drink it. Well, you probably vomit. <laughs> So, May Donahue decides to sue Mr. Stevenson 
at the trial level, she lost. The court found that she could not sue for a breach of contract because there was no direct contract between herself and Mr. Stevenson. But in 1932, she appealed and the appeal was allowed. Her lawyer claimed that Mr. Stevenson had breached a duty of care to his consumers and he had caused injury through negligence. This was the first case that established the cause of action of negligence, which is a cause of action near and dear to most lawyers' hearts. Mm -hmm. And uh, is basically, I I think, takes up much of the court uh, time now. And uh, so this is personal injuries. Uh, Whenever you don't have a direct contract with somebody, this is the, this is how it established. All thanks to a ginger beer with a snail in it, eh? Yeah, so the ruling of this case is exactly that. It dis- it established civil law tort of negligence and it obliges businesses now moving forward to observe a duty of care towards their customers. So, yeah, you're right. Before this case, there really wasn't much. There was um, common law courts who were very hesitant to extend obligations onto people who um, did not agree to accept them. The general idea was that the legislative branch should not choose uh, where to create non-consensual obligations. But under the law as it was then, Donahue would have been unable to sue Stevenson because her companion was the one who actually entered the relationship. Her friend bought her the beer not donahue with the law as it stood what the majority in the case said is it's just unjust the result would be unjust they believed that the rules would allow companies and individuals to negligently harm people through their products and in these cases where they act through a middleman like a manufacturer usually does a restaurant buys products through a a, you know a distributor distributors getting them from the actual manufacturer you wouldn't have any contractual relationship and so that's just not how the law proceeded the majority recognized negligence as a tort or as a harm and people could sue in such cases where they were owed a duty of care. Okay, so that case was decided in 1932. So, Tanvir, are, are lawyers still referencing that case or looking at it when they're you know, arguing cases in court or putting briefs together or opinions? Yeah, depending on the case and depending on the situation, Donahue and Stevenson gave birth to this rule of law. So if there is a case now where we're trying to argue a duty of care that something happened, an individual owed the plaintiff a duty of care in the situation, they breached it, they were negligence. This case is going to be the number one case to establish what is the law that we're relying on. And the fact that it's British law, you already touched on. And and actually, that is a good point. Why Mm -hmm. are we quoting British law? But uh, we are a Commonwealth uh, country, and our law was built on the British Commonwealth's uh, uh, legal system, and we look towards legal precedents. So that's a good point. Uh, Nowadays, uh, uh, we're not bound by English law back and up until... Well, it was about then, wasn't it, when the, when we stopped being bound by British law? But mm-hmm. it's still persuasive. Oh, yeah, persuasive. We can, still, we can still look at it and suggest that a court should follow it, but uh, we're not bound to take it anymore. Yep. So I guess what I take from this is it looks like the law law is pretty good as of 1932. It doesn't, <laughs> is there any reason for it to have changed since then? I mean, you know, I'm pretty happy with that case. Do you have another one or is that it? Actually, I do have another one. Okay. <laughs> okay, here you go. Our next case is Mustafa versus Culligan of Canada, 2008. This case went all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada. So we're back in, we're back on the East Coast now and then into our highest level of court being the Supreme Court of Canada. You know what Culligan 
water is, right? Like the water jugs that we have on all the floors here. No, I know, I yeah, know what okay. I know what collagen water is for sure. <laughs> okay, well, this is what I mean when I say collagen. All right, so on November twenty first, two thousand one, while Wada Mustafa and his wife were replacing the water dispenser in their home, they spotted a dead fly and part of another dead fly inside the new sealed collagen water bottle. At the very sight of the fly, Mr. Mustafa vomited immediately. He became nauseated. He suffered abdominal pains. From seeing the fly in the water, he immediately developed a major depressive disorder, phobia, and anxiety. He said the fly in the water ruined his life. It even wrecked havoc on his sex life. He said for months he could not drink coffee made with water, and he feared letting the shower water hit him in the face directly. He demanded financial compensation for his psychiatric injury caused by Culligan's negligence in allowing the fly into the water bottle. It's kind of similar to Donahue, dead insect or thing inside a drinking thing. But in this case, keep in mind, he didn't drink the water. He simply saw the fly and part of another fly in the water and had all these issues. All right. I'll tell you, it seems like he's either very sensitive or and probably more sensitive than uh the average person would be because i think we've all had had situations where we might find a fly in our soup or something like that and i've never found a fly in my soup (laughs) well you're out of the normal experience of people i mean don't you find insects on your hot dog or something like that sometimes i mean these things happen flies go into places so it seems to me weird that he had all these problems from it it seems to me that i it wouldn't be expected. So that that's what mm-hmm. I think. So what did the court do? Well, the trial judge in Ontario found that Culligan was liable in negligence towards Mr. Mustafa. So they awarded him 80000 in general damages, about 24000 in special damages, and 237600 for loss of business. Wow, that's interesting to me. It just seems like such an everyday occurrence. Yeah. Okay. So weird to me because he didn't even drink the water it's just a sight of the fly through the plastic jug but, but honestly to, to me you know sometimes you drink a coke and a fl- yeah. you know something's a fruit flies got in there or something like yeah. that it just seems like a an occurrence that uh, that we we all might uh, experience at some point so I, i'm surprised with the trial decision yeah so culligan of canada thought well this is an issue what is this going to set as precedent for other businesses supplying goods to consumers or is this not going to open up quote unquote the floodgates for everyone to see things like that and make such claims you know it'd be funnier if you'd said open a can of worms (laughs) (laughs) no pun intended culligan appealed successfully to the ontario court of appeal which overturned the trial decision They had the basis that Mr. Mustafa's reaction to the dead fly was not reasonably foreseeable, and hence he did not have a right to the compensation awarded at trial level. Mr. Mustafa then appealed to the Supreme Court of Canada, and the Supreme Court of Canada agreed that there should be no compensation paid by Culligan to Mr. Mustafa. Does that sound more likable as a result? Well, well, it, it makes sense. Yeah. It seems like, you know, there's an old saying that the law should follow common sense. And yeah. uh, so to me, that that's a common sense 
uh, results. You know, like I say, I, it doesn't make sense to me that something that might happen in, yeah. in an everyday occurrence would be compensable. Yeah. So what, what was the test they used to control it? So the court looked at the fact that, yes, Culligan is a producer of drinking water. They did owe Mustafa a duty of care to ensure that he was not injured by Culligan's negligence. And Culligan must take reasonable care to ensure that the water is not contaminated by foreign elements like a fly. Culligan breached its duty of care when they allowed a fly into the bottle during their sealing process at their factory. But was Mr. Mustafa's injury caused by Culligan's negligence? The medical evidence used in the case supported that Mr. Mustafa did actually develop a major depression disorder with associated phobia and anxiety from the fly. The dead fly trapped inside the water bottle triggered his psychiatric injury. So was Culligan's negligence, which caused his damage, too remote to warrant compensation? So in other words, was the injury reasonably foreseeable by Culligan that had a fly entered the water bottle, it would lead to these massive depression issues, phobias, unable to sleep, loss of business, and all the damage that was awarded at trial level? And no, the Supreme Court of Canada did not find objective, reasonable foreseeability of this extremely unusual injury in this case. And so they sided with the Court of Appeal. Okay, so uh, I, I guess that uh, Culligan might have been liable, though, if instead of a fly being in there, uh, they'd actually accidentally put poison into it or something like that. Because yeah. then if somebody was to drink that uh, water, then they get really sick. That would, yeah. be, that would be foreseeable. Yeah, and even with the fly, the court did say, yes, that Culligan uh, did have a duty of care to do what they do properly for the consumers that are going to purchase a product. You have a duty of care to do that in the correct way. And they were negligent when they had a fly enter into the drinking water. So they were negligent at the factory when they were packing those jugs of water. But in this case, what the court found is that the reaction that Mustafa had to the water was not foreseeable. It wasn't reasonable that he, as an individual who was generally just a softer, easily susceptible to these kinds of reactions, that, that they owed a duty of care and that that damage related to their negligence. So that's where the line was drawn, that this is far too unforeseeable. Okay, excellent. So that is our last podcast for 2021. Mm -hmm. Hey, I wanted to finish it though. This is completely unrelated. But um, man, I saw an interesting case um, that was reported in the news today. Damn, I thought and, you were going to uh, say you saw my billable this year. <laughs> <laughs> so this is reported in the National Post. And I'm just kind of reading for, from that. Uh, I thought it was kind of timely. So with the, the pandemic that's going on and with people working at home, one of the questions that people ask about is, well, you know, what happens if I'm working at home and I injure myself at home? is that uh, WCV case. That's kind of something oh. that employers are very concerned about. Mm -hmm. And I see today that a judge in Quebec actually found that a person working at home that was injured at home mm -hmm. was indeed covered by WCB. Now, that doesn't mean that that is going to be the case in British Columbia, but it's very interesting that uh, that, that occurred. And a very strange yeah. case. Uh, yeah. There it was a, a 
and they're a Canada employee who's uh, working at a call center that she's working at home and uh, she working in in a certain area of her home and uh, she took her lunch break and on the way to her kitchen fell down the stairs and hurt herself and they said that that's covered that's a WCB case and Air Canada said well, no it's not because yeah. it didn't occur in in your work area and you were going for lunch yeah. and uh, but that wasn't accepted in Quebec it'll be interesting to see if that's it's going to be accepted here but uh, from but, what I remember Quebec is civil law right Quebec's well, this is regulatory law or administrative law mm. because we're talking about about WCB. Right. But I just I just found that really interesting with all the the remote work going yeah. on. Is this just another thing that employers are going to have to to worry about? You know, employers are being saddled with so many yeah. things nowadays by our our governments that. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It makes yeah. you think better to be an employee than an employer. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're the employee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's easy to agree with that. Hey, Happy New Year to everybody. Mm-hmm. Signing off, it's Clay Williams and Tanvir Gill. Bye, everyone. Have a safe, enjoyable New Year. FHMP lawyers are rooted in community and ready to help. Send your business law questions to podcast at fhplawyers.com.